that's probably the hardest part of writing. It's not like figuring out what to write. It's figuring out how to say it, like finding your voice. And, I, and Twitter's the same thing. Social on the Sidelines, episode 12 with my friend Amara Baptist and her very loud washing machine. I'm so sorry. I just, I just <laughs> It's moved. all good. It's all good. Multitask. Let me try that again. Social on the Sidelines presented by Front Office Sports with this episode brought to you by Washing Machines and who, Amara? Team Infographics. Team Infographics. If you didn't already know, which you should, because I say it on every single podcast, bring you the fire digital content needs that you have for your digital content team. Yes. Whether you need it or not, they will create it. Yes. And you can find them on Twitter at Team Infographs or go to their website. (laughs) No, their website too. If If you're trying to throw hands with them, they'll probably win. All right. Their website is teaminfographics.com. I'm struggling. I'm sorry. Their web fight <laughs> is to be announced. Oh my goodness. How are you doing? So, you know what? I am doing okay. I think uh, I'm a little bit shook right now because we're furnishing the apartment and it's been a, it's been a trip. I thought I was going to get pulled over by the police and thrown into jail because uh i was placed into my car very awkwardly and fern was driving and she couldn't see because oh, we yikes. placed some stools in places that they shouldn't have been placed so well, that's besides you. the that's besides the point i'm excited for the nba season to start so i'm doing good how are you you're okay yeah i'm great um... you seem so concerned it's not that serious i promise okay I'm glad your stools are safely back. Um, what is what's going on? What can we talk about? What do the people well, want to know? I think the people want to know how you're preparing with now less than a month until uh, training camp and media day and all that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a lot of planning. We can't believe it's September already. That's the first crazy thing um and we're preparing for a rip city rally which is where we go around parts of oregon getting people excited for the blazer season and giving out swag and holding basketball clinics so i'm going on that starting sunday um and yeah just trying to map out the content plans we have a lot of meetings this week with partnerships and um just trying to get things in order what about you yeah, pretty much the same, like I said uh, previously, in terms of schedule release. we Oh, I, I totally forgot. We re- re-released our classic edition uniforms, oh, which are, are so my fire. favorite Timberwolves. Yes, so um, that consisted of me going and taking some photos uh, on a mannequin. Shout out to our video team who had the idea of taking it down to the locker room and adding some fog and lights. Um, which made it look super dope. Um, but that would that was one of the coolest things I had gotten to do over the summer just because I love those jerseys and getting some really dope photos in my opinion out of it was cool. I can confirm um, they were super dope. Thank you. Thank you. Um but yeah, in addition to that, we have this idea we're working on that I talked about previously in terms of schedule release stuff. And it's still not completed yet, but it should be soon. And I think it's going to be cool. Um, So keep your eye out for that. And like you were saying, a ton of my time now is being allocated to sponsorships because I'm trying to get everything in order before the season starts um, so that we feel really good about where we're at in terms of who we have on the sponsorship front for social. And they have assets that we feel good about putting out. And they all have a really good and clean look and feel. So. Um, just trying to make all that stuff happen before the season starts, which for us, media day is coming up pretty soon. Yeah. I I still can't believe it. I'm so excited. I am too. I'm ready for basketball to be back. I don't know if I can emotionally handle it right now because I started watching Sharp Objects. Oh, is that good? It is a good show. 
sponsor us HBO Go. <laughs> um, and I finished Insecure, or I didn't finish, but I caught up. I love that show. I caught up. I will say in a four day span. Also, um, so. have you seen uh, to all the boys I've loved before on Netflix? Sponsor us, Netflix. Uh, I haven't. Is that something I should watch? Yo, it is so good. It is like a Netflix original movie, and it's really cute, and it brings you back to like high school days. It's awesome. Cannot recommend. I actually. All right, you know, after after this, when we finish up, your boy is gonna watch that. I don't remember what it's called, but I will text all the boys I loved before. Oh my god. Got it. I will watch to all the boys I loved before on Netflix after we're done here. Uh, anyway, on this episode, while we talk about Netflix and HBO Go, we also will be talking to Zach Harper of a to-be-announced platform, but he's a you might know him better as Talk Hoops on Twitter, very well known across the Twitter sphere for what he's been able to provide to NBA fans. Um, and we talked to him about just his journalistic background or not his journalistic background because, uh, he was saying he didn't actually have journalism experience, but how he got to where he is, uh, in his career over the last eight years. And yeah, what else we talk about tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we talked, it was cool because social media for him has played such an important role in. Uh, his career, he literally said, like, if it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't have a job. So I think that's really cool to see the value of social and how it can help you on, a, you know, in different sports careers. We talked about Nicolas Cage movies. We talked about the proper way to shoot your shot um, professionally. Um, and we talked about his dog. So, I mean, clearly this is a must-listen episode. This is a must-listen episode because the strategically shooting your shot part of it was something that's very important, and I would advise you guys listen to because it is important how you approach inquiring about job opportunities on social because it it's more than just a message. It's a lasting impression. Whoa. Hallmark. 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 <laughs> Sponsor us. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Ah. All right. Uh, but without any further ado, social hey! on the sidelines. So you said I was gonna go. <laughs> you know what? Just do your thing, girl. <laughs> this is off to a great start. <laughs> well, hello everybody. This is social on the sidelines. Um, that voice that rudely interrupted me was Shabazz. I'm Amara, and we have Zach Harper on today, who just took. What did you take off your nose? A Bior strip? Is that, is that how you pronounce it? Bure strip? I don't know, never but Zach it. Harper is fresh and ready to go. Oh, never been fresher. My nose has never been smoother. <laughs> I like to do this to myself, uh, you know, like once a month. I'll, I'll kind of, you know, just really, really get the pores clean on the nose because I just, you know, I like to treat myself. Yeah, it's self-care Sunday, obviously. Right. Absolutely. So- That's what I say every Sunday morning. I say, hey, remember... <laughs> It's self-care Sunday. <laughs> Treat yourself. Uh, so uh, I really think we're on good terms on the potential of getting a Bureau Strip sponsor. So I appreciate yeah. you, Zach. Uh, I, that's maybe, what I do. Next, maybe next week, you know, we'll throw you some of the royalty money. I bet, like, we'll probably all be able to retire off this. Probably. I think so. That's what I would think. Yeah. Well, I'm I into mean, it. Speaking of which... Uh, Zach might be able to retire because of how fire his writing is like this week, right? Is that, am I assuming? This week? Oh man. I mean, I've been, uh, I have, I, okay. I, I can't announce it yet. I did just secure my next writing job. I hadn't, I haven't written anything in over two months. So I kind of think the next time I write something, it's going to be real garbage. But then like a month after that, it's going to be good again. Amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Social pretty excited about breaking it. news right now. Congrats! Bra- by the way. Breaking news that I can't really announce yet, but it but it'll be it'll be pretty soon. Awesome. Well, congrats for those it's who been, don't. Go ahead. It's been Sorry. weird being jobless. 
that's the thing. Like that's been the weird thing is trying to when like when you're jobless in this industry and like this has been my my only job for uh like eight years now, eight eight and a half years, something like that. Um and then you go to a point where you don't have anything to do for two months. Like I really didn't have anything. Like I didn't know what to do with myself. Like I podcast and stuff like that. But um, but in terms of like just killing hours in the day, like you really have to get creative. Yeah, and basketball's what? not on except w- right. WNBA is, but not NBA. But it's not that often, right? Like it's not like there's like this slate of fourteen games every night and all this stuff. Like like it can get you through a little bit, but it's not. It's just not what I'm used to. So, um, you know, we don't have any Olympics or FIBA or anything like that. So it's really like I started working out, which is a terrible idea. Don't work <laughs> out. If I can give one <laughs> bit of information, like I've, I started like working with this trainer named Ray Donovan. No, not the Showtime show. This guy's actual name is Ray Donovan. And he works with Kyle Kuzma. And he's amazing. Like this guy is this guy is basically an action figure. Like, <laughs> his, like his, his muscles are insane. But mine are not insane. So it's really hard. Like, so I've been working out and just to kill some time and, you know, I guess improve myself, but really it's a, I'm just decaying at the same time. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, that's the, like, I got so desperate for things. I, I tried to get healthy. Well, I mean, you know. self-care week, right? Every day is self-care right. yeah. day. So. <laughs> so going back a little bit, uh, you know, you, you said you spoke on eight and a half years, kind of rewinding. What got you into your profession originally, and and how how'd you get your first foot in the door? Um, so this will this will sound uh, more egotistical than I mean it to, but like back in like 2007, I decided to start a website because I was like, I know more about basketball than anybody, right? Like I was like, I know all this stuff, like I'm I'm really smart at this, I can do this, and then you start doing it, and you start like reading other people, you start reading like Tom Ziller and. Kelly Dwyer and all these guys and Kevin Arnovitz and Henry Abbott. And you're like, Oh my God, I don't know anything. Like, yeah. Like I just like, I didn't like, I knew, I knew basketball, but then like, I remember the first time I talked to a pro scout, I was like, this guy's speaking a different language than me. Like it was just, it was just a weird experience. So I quickly like went from doing this because of an ego to doing this because, Oh my God, I need to get smarter at this and a lot better. And, and so I, I got to a point where from like 2007 to 2009, I was working for an appeals court. And so I would go into work every day doing clerical stuff, mailroom stuff, all kinds of just meaningless. Well, I guess it's, yeah, it's meaningless. Just a lot of (laughs) meaningless stuff. And, uh, and I would go in and I would get my work done by about 1030 in the morning. I'd go in at like 830. I'd be done with my with the majority of my work by 1030. And then I could kind of just coast and maintain the rest of the day. So I would just sit there wasting California tax dollars, uh, working on writing and working on my website. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then um, I got noticed, like I never had like a big readership, but I got noticed by people like, like Jay Skeets when he was running Ball Don't Lie for Yahoo. Um, I got noticed by Kevin Arnovitz, Henry Abbott, um, Ziller, uh, you know, some of these guys. And, and so, you know, my name kind of got passed around for stuff. And in 2009, the ESPN started the, uh, the ESPN True Hoop blog network, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I was living in Sacramento at the time. And, and they didn't, I think they had, you know, maybe tried to get Tom Ziller and he was good where he was with SB Nation and everything. And so I was the kind of the second choice. And they said, we know you're not a Kings fan, but would you do a Kings blog? And no one was really doing that kind of stuff unless they were a fan of the team. And so I thought, yeah, it's kind of a cool exercise. Like, I know the Kings. Like, I, I can do this. So I started doing that. And when I got that opportunity, and it didn't pay anything, um, literally, literally no dollars. Uh, but when I got that opportunity, I decided, okay, I'm going to try to make a career out of this. Like, really shoot for a career out of this. So in September, late September of 2009, I quit my job at the court. And I said, I'm just going to concentrate on this, on, on writing and really try to cover this team well and try to try to see where I am like a year from now. And so I kind of, I was in a good situation. Like I didn't have, I didn't have any money, but I, I, my costs were low enough that if I, if nothing bad happened for a year, uh, which is asking a lot, but if nothing bad happened for a year, I could, I could make everything last. 
as long as I live like super cheap and my rent was almost nothing. Like it was a good situation, but, um, but so that was my plan. And I started covering the Kings and everything went pretty well. But where, when it really took off for me was, uh, they had launched something the 2009, 2010 season called the daily dime live chat. And so this was a nightly chat where ESPN, it was on ESPN and they would bring in bloggers from the teams, uh, of the network, um, that were playing that night. So whenever the Kings were on, I would go into that chat and talk with readers and fans and whatever, and commenters and um, just kind of like talk about what was going on in the game. And anyone who follows me on Twitter would know that that quickly devolved into tangents upon tangents upon tangents that had nothing to do with basketball. But the great thing was the editors running this chat had no interest in running the chat because they had more important stuff to do like edit. And so I got to a point in like January, February of that season where I would just show up whether the Kings were playing or not. And I would just offer, I would say, hey, if you guys need me tonight, I can jump in. And so I did that every night from like late January through the end of the regular season, through the playoffs, and kind of just took over running that chat. And so by the time the finals were over uh, that year, the... um. Chris Ramsey, who was who was running the NBA group for ESPN at the time, he's the son of uh, the great Dr. Jack Ramsey. Chris Ramsey um, got in touch with me and said, "Like, hey, we're thinking about making like you did such a good job with this. We're thinking about making this a, a position. Like, would you like to come out to to Bristol and talk about this?" And so they flew me out to Bristol. I did the draft night with uh, with Chad Ford and like watched him work at the time, and it was like this surreal experience and. Um, and around that same time that they offered me a job, CBS was starting up their, you know, kind of blogging or whatever for for their for CBSSports.com. And so I actually, all of a sudden, I had two job offers. I had the job offer from ESPN. I had the job offer from CBS. I took the ESPN one, did that for two years. Then an opening at CBS came up. I did that for four years, um, and here I am. I've been I've been annoying people ever since. <laughs> That's well, awesome. obviously you've. You've built up quite a following uh, across Twitter and, and social media platforms through what you've done on the writing side of things. So it turns out that the the risk paid off, and I know everyone's journey is a little bit different. Uh, but that being said, when you were first thinking about making the switch over, when you first quit your job, would you ever anticipate it being what it is today in terms of where you're at? Uh, one, in terms of you know just your writing career and how it's taken um shape over the last eight and a half years and then personally just all the endeavors that you've been able to get to be a part of um i don't know that's kind of a weird question because like i went into it thinking like i don't know how i can or once i realized like how how dumb i was and how much i had to learn i was like <laughs> okay okay how do like i i'm a psychotically competitive person like anyone that plays like a board game with me or like basketball or whatever like i video games whatever like i uh, like i it, i'm better about it now as i'm you know uh, older and, and close to close to dying but uh <laughs> at the time <laughs> but at the time like <laughs> yeah for years like like it was like i was i was like i'm just like i get crazy like i want to win and all this stuff so when i when it got into this writing career stuff i was like i don't know how i do it but i like i want to be the best at this so i had visions of like Ooh, I'm going to work for ESPN someday. I'm going to work for whatever. Like, I want to do all this stuff. I want to be on the radio. I want to be on TV, like all this stuff. I had those visions, but it was more like hopes than a plan, right? So like, I want to say yes, that I I could envision that I would, you know, become a, you know, a, a D-list name in, in NBA writing or however you want to categorize me. Like I want, like I had ideas of like, yes, I can be, I can make this a career and I will make this a career and I will find a way to be prominent on some some level no matter what that is but at the same time like it was it it even looking back like it was all fantasy right like it like i didn't really know how to do it i didn't know how to make that happen i didn't have any connections i didn't have any journalism training i still don't have any journalism training like i like none of that stuff it was all just kind of like i'm gonna try to figure this out and so like in terms of like i always knew i wanted to work for espn and then it turns out like my first job in the business was with ESPN. Like it was just a lot of good timing and being able to seize opportunities. And the biggest, like the biggest help I had in that was Kevin Arnovitz of ESPN, because I remember talking to him about like the idea of me quitting my job and like 
look, this is scary. Like I don't have that much. Like I like quitting my job. Like that's to pursue this. Like I I'm really struggling with this decision. And he just said like everyone who's ever had to do this or who's ever been successful at this has had that decision at some point in some way. He's like, so you just got to make the leap and and work to make it, you know, come to fruition. And that, that that's always stuck with me. So that's kind of helped fuel like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I can like all these other people did it. I can figure out a way to do it. Like it, I don't know. It sounds both like naive and egotistical and everything at the same time. But I have, I have felt like I will, I'll find a way to make it work, even though I didn't have that, that plan set out. Cause I've always kind of thought like, here's where I want to be in five years. And I've been lucky enough that about every three years of those five year plans, I've gotten to that point. Um, so I've gotten there early, but then, it, but then as, as you guys know, as anyone who does writing know, uh, or does social or, or any of this stuff, like you do something and then it isn't, Hey, good job. You did a great thing. It's now, what do you have to do? Right. What's next? Like, it's always what's next. And that's the terrifying part of this entire business. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think, so we've had, you know, a lot of people obviously who do social come on our podcast, but I think for you, especially you built your brand using social media, you know, like it was imperative for you to get your name out there. We can go, you know, to anybody in sports and be like, Hey, do you know, at talk hoops? And they'd be like, yeah, you know, he's great. It's so funny how, how many people don't really recognize my name, but if they hear talk, yeah, like, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. which I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing, but it's it's what I got. <laughs> so I guess my question is, um, how imperative was social media for you um, in just in building what you have now? Oh, it's a hundred percent. Like I, I wouldn't have a career without it. Like I because because I didn't have any training, because I didn't have any connections, because I didn't have any like real inroads like or like it weighs into the business like i had to kind of build up my name through twitter mostly uh i mean almost exclusively through twitter so by being interactive like that was kind of the thing i figured out early with with social media as i especially as like i kind of started getting a a a decent following is like people are just on like people just are on there because they want to interact right like that's all we're, we're all just killing time like that's all it is. We're killing time either because we want to rank things or we want to argue about things or we want to talk about how much we love things on there. Like whatever I want to, you know, show pictures of my dog or whatever. Like, right? Like it's all just it's all just killing time. And so a lot of people want to kill time because like by interacting because they may not necessarily have that in their regular day-to-day life, which sounds kind of crazy, but that's just that's how it is. Like I like my friends are my friends from from home are like they're all sports fans, but there was a level of nerddom in in talking about basketball like they just weren't interested in, right? Like mm-hmm. I was always the biggest basketball nerd out of any of my friends. So I would want to talk about the most in-depth stuff and the, and the nerdiest stuff that I could possibly think of. And they just didn't have any interest. So it's like you don't get fulfillment in doing that. But I go on Twitter and there's a, a thousand basketball nerds that would love to argue with me about this stuff or discuss it or whatever. And so kind of realizing like that interaction is so key that's what helped me build up a lot of a lot of the following and a lot of like kind of the like this is the worst thing I've ever said, but brand name recognition with my handle, right? Like and that's what that's essentially what it is. Like whether it's an individual like myself or it's a team or whatever, like it's all just a brand. Oh, for sure. And I think too, you know, you've done a really good job with um my personal favorite thing that you do is like watch bad movies and live tweet them. Oh, that's my personal um, favorite too. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's, it's cool to see that you are a real person. You're not just some, you know, basketball writer that is bland. You have a personality. So I think you've done a really good job. Thank you. And I think that like, that's been important to me too, because as much as I love basketball, like I can't talk about basketball 24 seven, like I'll, I'll just go, I'll, I'll go crazy. And so that like bad movies have always been my outlet comedy you know, stand-up comedy following that has always been my, like kind of my outlet or my escape from that. Like I'm not, I'm not a huge music person. Like I like music. I listen to music every day, but I'm not like, Oh, I can tell you this album and when it came out and the, you know, the people that produce, like I, like I don't get that in depth at all. So that's never been like a big thing to me. I'm like, yeah, just we'll throw on some biggie or some Kendrick Lamar or something. And, I, and I'm good. Right. Like I don't need to know every detail of, of the, you know, the, the process of making the music, but um, but with movies and especially bad movies, I watch that. I like I'll watch any Nick Cage movie that's on Netflix right now. And I, and to me, as I'm watching it, I'm like, this is the best take they got. 
what else happened in the making of this movie to where <laughs> this was the best product they could come up with. Like to me, that whole thought process is fascinating. So I have a lot of fun doing that. And I found that a lot of other people seem to like that as well because it's it's so like it's all so dumb, right? Like it's like 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 watching Nick Cage movies because they're bad is such a stupid thing. But so is watching your favorite basketball team wasn't made the playoffs in 14 years and hoping that this year is different. I know there's only right. so much Shabazz can say about that, but that was a real thing for like 14 years. Like that was the thing of like, why am I watching this team? Oh, they're bad. Oh, I can make this work. I can have fun with this. I'll make fun of Darko. Like that's what it was. Right. Right. For sure. No, I mean, coming in, I can say I, my career being between kind of like you with the wolves and the Kings, it was like, am I ever going to get to watch good or decent <laughs> any playoff basketball right and luckily i finally got the taste of what playoff basketball was like but that's a different story um that hopefully we can build on this year that being said um going back a little bit to amara's question in in regards to social and your work i, I think the number one thing that amara and i and probably you get from other folks trying to get into these businesses is how to build a brand. And I know you went about it a very distinct and unique way, but for a new and upcoming writer uh, and somebody that wants to be able to be part of this industry, what would you recommend to, to build that brand in a space that now seems very saturated? Yeah, it is. It is very saturated. That's that, It's an interesting question. I've actually talked about this with, with a few friends who are in the industry before, and it's kind of like, I've talked about like almost like wondering if I could catfish the industry at this point. Like what if I just started a second account, made up a fake person? Could I get a following and and a job for this person, right? Like which is uh, now that I say it out loud on a podcast, it sounds a little more psychotic than I than I mean it to. But but like is that possible? Like what like knowing what I know, could I do it again or or what or is it uh, uh that made it sound like my name that I've given you is a fake name. My name is actually Zach Harper. This isn't uh, this isn't a catfish situation. <laughs> but could I actually create another career or was it a more of a product of good timing, right? Like getting in on Twitter right. relatively early, mm-hmm. right? I've been on there like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so I think, I think the key because it is so saturated is one, you have to, you have to be confident in what you know and you, and the, the more important, you know, kind of accompaniment to that is you have to be you have to be very aware of what you don't know and that was that like that's something i've kind of tried to when when younger writers and and i get it like oh i i'm fortunate enough to where i didn't really start on social media until i was 26 27 years old right so like Mm -hmm. i wasn't mature but i was more mature than like an 18 year old getting on there and like trying to create a career out of this right so i think like that helped me come in there with a better perspective on just what life is. And, and 10 years later, I'm like, Oh my God, I, I didn't know anything back then like that. Like, I, I mean, I don't know anything now, but I really didn't know anything back then. And so I, so I, I look at, I look at that. And I'm like, okay, I was always like, one of the good things about me in, in pursuing this career was I was always very aware of what I didn't know. And so that you can do two things. You can, you can either, be aware of that and lie about it and be like, and say, I do know all this stuff. Or you can say, how do I learn what I don't know? And so, and so the approach I always took was I need to learn what I don't know so that I know what I'm talking about later on. And so I think that is huge for someone who's starting out, but at the same time, it won't matter unless you have the right approach. And I mostly mean the approach to how you talk to people who are already in the industry, because I'm going to get, a ton of comments about whatever, right? Like I'm going to get people tagging me in their, in their, you know, their links to their latest article and all the stuff, hoping I'll either read it or I'll retweet it or whatever. And I talked about this with, with our friend, uh, Angie treasure on a recent podcast where it was like, people will just come in there just firing shot after shot after shot of like, just like, I'm going to mass tag people in this, in this tweet. And maybe Mm -hmm. one of them will retweet it. I'm going to come at, you know, I'm going to go into Angie's DMs on Instagram and say, "Hey, how can I get a job with the Jazz?" Like they're like those are such bad approaches to me. They're so insincere 
there might be sincerity behind them, but they they come off as insincere and and with like this faux intimacy that you haven't established with that person. And so I think like you have to be as respectful as possible. Like you don't have to be meek necessarily. You should be confident in what you do, but you like, man, you just can't, you can't come in approaching someone like you know them because that's a weird thing for a lot of us. Like, like, yeah, we talk about personal stuff and we talk about personal stuff on podcasts and everything, but just because we're willing to share that doesn't mean that you actually know what's happened, right? Like we've given you a snippet of things, but when people come at you like with that familiarity, when it hasn't been built there, that's a bad approach. And that will turn a lot of people who are established off, whether that's an, a personal thing, a, a professional thing, whatever. So I think, yeah, like you have to know what you know, you have to be aware of what you don't know and how to acquire that knowledge. And you gotta, you just got to come with the right approach and just know that this is going to take a long time. Like there is no snap your fingers and all of a sudden you have a career. Like it doesn't work like that. And especially doesn't work like that now because it like the industry is so difficult to make it in. Just want to take a quick second from this episode to let you guys know that episode 12 is supported by the University of Miami's online graduate sport administration program. It's a top ranked graduate program with a highly respected reputation among employers. Yes designed with your schedule in mind and offers the flexibility needed for professionals looking to break into or advance in the sports industry. Be sure to check them out at www.miami.edu slash online. Right. Yeah, I think that's true between both of our industries, as you alluded to with your conversations with Angie and her DMs are a lot like my DMs, which I'm sure are a lot like Amara's and yours in the sense that there's a lot of questions about how to break in the, in the industry, which is totally valid considering the amounts of difficulty it is to make it in. But as you said, it's one thing to, to go at it um, from an approach of, okay, how can you help me? And what are you going to do for me without any prior conversation? Right. So right. Like, if the, if the first thing, that I know of somebody is not no other relation besides the fact that I know you work for the Timberwolves. Get me this job right. versus Hey Shabazz. <laughs> you know, I, I know you through your time on Twitter. I'm interested to to get to know more about the journey. Right, would love to have the way. conversation of how you got into doing what you do. Right, like that, like that is such a yes. better approach. Yeah. Right, and and I'm 100 percent on board in the sense that how you have these conversations and even on Twitter, which, which seems like a crazy thing to say, but even when you're sending these messages on Twitter, you have to be extremely strategic about how you're having those conversations because one weird message, and it might not seem weird if you're sending it, but if somebody can interpret it a different way, you just got to think about that because that's going to be lasting, right? Like if oh, yeah. I, I can honestly say, I have seen people's resumes sent on for jobs that I previously had with the Kings when I was hiring interns there. And I know that person's name now, right? Like that's, that's not to say that nobody can come back from that, but if you're not putting any effort into that and all you're doing is hitting somebody up and saying, I applied 30 times, why am I not getting this job? Right. And there's something that's clearly wrong about your approach you know, that's something that's lasting versus I know 99% of the people that hit me up for advice and go about it in the correct way. I know all these people's names. So whatever I can do to help inform whatever little knowledge I have on that front, it, it's a lot easier for me to make time for people that have an investment in that versus just coming at it from the perspective that you were talking about where it's like, help me out. Yeah. And, and like, Here, yeah. that's such a good point too, because it is like, I think the important way to kind of approach that is when you're sending that message and you think it's fine, you have to think like, how is this complete stranger going to view this message, right? Like, what is the mm -hmm. tone of it? Like, there, I, I'll censor myself because I don't know what I can say on this podcast in terms of language, but okay, but like, all right, people think like there are a lot of people out there, probably some people listen to this podcast that they decide to hate listen to me, like that think I'm a dick, right? Like they think like they right. think Zach is a jerk. Like he's so rude to people online. I'm like, every once in a while I'll get it wrong, but I only 
hit people with that. What is it? What does everyone say? Like the same energy, right? I hit people with the same energy that they bring to me. If you approach me wildly, <laughs> I'm going to be a dick to you. If you approach me respectfully, even if I don't agree, I'll, I'll have the conversation. And so it's kind of this, like I apply that definitely to like people asking for advice of, of like, you know, if you come to me and you are sincere and you are, you're inquisitive and not like demanding, right? I will like, I will have as many conversations as possible to help people out because I want as much as I want to, you know, keep having a job in this industry and, and being able to, you know, pay rent and buy dog food and all that stuff. Like I, I want to like, I want to help the industry grow as much as I can, because I think the more competition there is and the more jobs it creates, the better off we'll be, you know, in the long run, because this is such a volatile industry where they're sweeping cuts left and right out of nowhere and then hiring waves out of nowhere. Right. Like, so I think to, to kind of, I think the more you can help build it up, in theory, I think we'll we'll stabilize it to where it's easier for every well not easier for everybody, but I guess more accessible for everybody. But that's like that takes that takes a lot of people understanding what they're getting into and understanding what they exist in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I guess one thing that I just want to say about this whole conversation, I would my advice would be to stay away from IG DMs. For some reason, like I don't know why, Instagram feels more personal than yeah. like Twitter and, you know, email, obviously LinkedIn, but my, I just, I don't, number one, like finding the messages on Instagram is like, I don't really want to go through those, but I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Like, it just feels like more weird to me. Yeah. I mean, I think, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say my Instagram is up until like two weeks ago was private the entire time because to, and some people will, some people would every once in a while go in there and like start having arguments in comments of post and I would delete them all. I'm like, this is not, I'm not a message board. Like this is right. like, whether this is going to be basketball focused or now dog focused. Right. But like, this was always going to be like, that's like Instagram is for me. Like you want to yell about stuff on sport, like go, yeah, go to, go to talk hoops on Twitter, like do that. But like Instagram and it still is, even though it's, it's now like I made it public, but that's still for me. Like, and then, and right. I, I'm, I'm going to, I mean, Twitter is on a certain level too, but like, I'm going to curate my Instagram however I damn well please. And that's, and it's, and I don't want the same conversations from Twitter in there. And that extends to DMs too. Like, I'll have conversations in DMs with people, but it's not like, man, I'm not giving job advice in, in my Instagram DMs. And that may sound yeah. like a weird decision to make if I'm willing to do it in Twitter, but I'm with you. Like, it is a much more personal thing to me. For sure. No, I I think it just goes to the point. Overall, I think this conversation just leads to the point that people need to be strategic about how they shoot their shot, right? Like (laughs) you can't just be hopping in wherever you can, whenever you see somebody like I, I think about it as the example. When I was in Sacramento, I went to the grocery store with one of our players once and literally within five minutes, like 10 people are coming up to this person and asking. Uh, you know, I hope, how how do I get into the NBA? Like, that is not the place to do that, right? Yeah, like, man, you I can't be, like, excited. looking over which frozen dinner you want and, and like, oh, yeah, you just, here's, how I, here's how you get into the <laughs> NBA. Like, that's not how that works. Right. So, like, I my frozen dinner is the equivalent to Instagram, to Facebook, right? Like, you can't just hit me up on Facebook where I want that to be people that are relatively close to me or I have some sort of tangible real-life relationship with and be like, Hey, I saw X and X on my Facebook wall. How do I get this right. job? Right, like that's not the place to do it. So you need to be strategic about that. Um, I mean, you guys probably get this yeah. as much, if not more, than I do because you're. I feel like your your jobs because you work for a team. Be, that becomes a more intimate conversation of like even in searching for jobs, right? Like I'm sure people want to be like. Blazers fans now or or Wolves fans they're like oh my god I love the Wolves I'd love to work for them here help me get this job like I would imagine it's that's tougher for you guys than it is for me where someone's like oh I'd love to work at CBS how do I do that like that's I feel like the the team aspect of that has to be harder Uh, yeah I guess I I haven't been on the other side of it so I can't necessarily speak to it but there's definitely a lot of inquiries in terms of how to get involved which I to, to be clear I don't have an issue with that at all but the again the approach is the most essential thing for me because i am always happy to help out whenever i have the time to do so but it's like an example of which is like if somebody messages me 10 times in a row 
over a two day period and I'm not able to get to that. And they're like, ah, I'm still waiting. Yeah. Like that, that to me, it's like, yeah, kind of weird. that entitlement gets weird. Right. Like, and there's some, there's some, right. I'm not going to name names, but there's some writers who like, who are searching for work. Um, and, and it's, and searching for full-time gigs, which are, which are pretty few and far between right now. But like, and they'll, they'll talk to me about, Hey, I'm looking for this job. You know, do you know anyone there? And whether I, and whether I do or not, it becomes irrelevant because they're like, yeah, there's no way I shouldn't get this job. Like they'll come with that approach. I'm like, that is not the way to look at it. Like that's right. like, there was a, a, there was a time, uh, this was during the, what, when was the New York all-star game? Uh, 2014. That was, Does that sound right? 2015. I was there at like one yep. of the media things, and at the time, uh, at the time, I was moving away from like hardcore aggregation with CBS into like more columns and stuff. And uh, and a friend of mine who worked for like the third biggest sports station in Miami was trying to get me like a weekend show, right. To like get me into the radio. And so, and so like, those were the two things that I had that seemed like they were going the right direction. So I had mentioned it to a couple of people and this person came up to me uh, and, and said like, Oh, I heard you're doing, you know, the radio thing. And I heard you're, you know, you're, you're switching more to like column stuff. I was like, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And this person legitimately said, said, yeah, that's great. I should have that, those jobs. Like there was like I should take the like I should have your jobs. I'm like, how do you ever say that to someone? Like, like what if I just was like, I'm good at I'm good at Twitter. I should have your job with the wolves. Like, what an insane thing to say to somebody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that approach. It's funny enough that you say that. Crazy to me. I I 100% agree. I think the the thing about I think all of our jobs, just any job in sports, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in terms of one getting the job two keeping the job yeah. and and three performing well at the job that people will never know right like amara and i say it probably on every single podcast but every 60 percent of the time people inquire about the job it's like oh so what you do is twitter facebook and instagram i'm like no that is probably 10 <laughs> you're strategizing like you're we- marketing a brand like that's what you're doing <laughs> Right, like you're trying to monetize your content creating. On top of that, you're, again, trying to fill, like you said, ways to market the brand in a a fashion and a tone and a voice that's already been established that you can continue to build up. Like, there's so many components to it that I wish I had the time to say to people, which is a completely different story. But But isn't it the hardest thing to do is like, and I, and I I struggled with it for a long time. I still struggle with it, I guess, but like in in finding my voice and tone in writing, and obviously I have my obnoxious mm-hmm. voice and tone in in Twitter. But like finding ways to kind of meld those together, like finding that's probably the hardest part of writing. It's not like figuring out what to write; it's figuring out how to say it. Like finding yeah. your voice, and, I, and Twitter's the same thing. Especially if you're like, it's one thing for me to you know make a bunch of Nick Cage jokes on Twitter all the time, but like to actually have the voice to be the voice of of your team your respective teams on social media like that's hard that's a lot of pressure no it it definitely is i mean i'll i'll speak for myself again and let amara speak on her end but for me going from the kings to the timberwolves those are two completely separate brands despite the fact that the basketball side of things might be a little bit similar right. in terms of the success but in terms of their voice and tone a lot of that is completely separated. And before my time in the NBA, I did social media for musicians and celebrities. And that was like insane to me because these people's voices are completely different than an NBA teams and being able to one, you know, jump between those things. It's a huge part of the job that people don't necessarily understand. And they're like, Oh, I'm good at Twitter. So I can make jokes on behalf of team. No, it's not that it's, you have to know, how to go about the right ways in interacting across social platforms that will still be beneficial for your fans, but also attract new fans. So yeah, that it's, it, it is insane. Yeah. I, will, I think I will agree. I think too, it's important to remember that like, yes, you know, you like, I guess people behind the team accounts, you have your own voice, but like that, 
doesn't necessarily work. Like you can't just come in and like, I can't just be talking about Michael B. Jordan, like, from <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I could like, that might right. be cool. I don't know. But like, that'll be good just... when Creed two comes out. Right. Like, you can do that for a couple of days. Yeah, I, I might, you know what? I might actually tweet <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> you heard it here first, but you know what I mean? Like you, you're not yourself, you're an um, organization. You're, and that's why like, I, the whole like quote savage thing, I get it. I, I think it's great. The snarkiness, but at some point, like you're also speaking on behalf of an organization. Right. So I think that's important to remember as well too. Well, and one thing I'll add on here and it to Amara's point in terms of people having separate voices than the organizations that they work for, I can say at the Timberwolves, uh, you know, over the past few years, you could kind of tell when there were different people behind the account, oh, right? Absolutely. Just because everyone has yeah. a, everyone has everyone has their own style, which is n- no hate or harm on anybody that was there beforehand at all i was there as an intern before but that was a problem for me being an intern too right like i brought my own thing to it and that's something i learned along the way whereas now i can guarantee and i hope to god it doesn't happen but for whatever reason i got let go or i left or something in the next month i know that my team and the organization as a whole that Brand and voice has been so solidified and cemented in terms of how we're going about and navigating the space that whether I'm there or not, there's yeah. there's nuances. It's kind of a template, that might like not, not a template. That's not a great name for it, but no, it's, yeah. it's a no, sort of is, template. I think that's right? good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, they're de- you're you're putting a strategy in place that people, whether you're there or not, can abide by in a hopefully successful manner. Now, of course, there's little nuances, just like any other gig that could and will make you more successful based on your knowledge and how you go about things. But the overall voice and tone is completely, you know, set in stone, which is something I'll say across sports brands, you're seeing less and less of that switch over because people are understanding that more. But especially when I got started out as an intern back in 2014, like you would see every four months, like every NBA, NFL, NHL team, for the most part, I won't say every, but most of them you can tell when people are running the accounts are have changed up because there was that element to i am who right. i am bringing that to the team perspective and now as amara said like that's a completely separate i thing could now. not like i could i could not take over your job and do a good job because like i because i like i couldn't bring my personality what i do to what you guys do because it would it like within four days i would have like burn down the computer like it would it would be such a bad it would be such a bad fit on so many levels because like because you guys you i'm guessing like you guys have like real self-control and like and i don't i don't know that i have that. no like i I can, I can say when when i left from chicago so after my first internship with the timberwolves i went to chicago and did social media for like Paula Abdul and Florida. And I was throwing Wait, out all what? these ideas. What? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So I did uh social for Paula Abdul, Florida, uh, Eli Manning, sometimes Shane Battier. What? How did um, I never know this? Yeah. So that was my entire podcast on this. Paula I, Abdul. A, oh my gosh. See, but the thing about it was like, I was throwing out all these ideas based on what I the voice and tone I used when I was at the Timberwolves as an intern. And they were like, are, are you serious right now? Like this is, these are the stupidest things we've ever heard. You know? And that's something like you said, like it takes a lot. And that's, that was a learning experience for me, right? Like I can't, not every strategy, not every voice, not every tone is going to work regardless of where you go. And that's the tough thing about social. And, and now, you know, I have the experience luckily and I got it early on at a stage before social kind of blew up to the extent it is now. But if I didn't get that, who knows? Like, I, I could probably be hot trash <laughs> and not be <laughs> having a job. When you right did now. social for Paula, which who, I, I am. I, when you did yeah, social ahead, for Paula, did it feel like at times like you were taking two steps forward and then you would take two steps back? And then you would come together? <laughs> well, I'll say that. <laughs> I see what you did yes. there. Uh, I see what you oh, did. Oh, this is the best podcast uh, ever. <laughs> No, like the funny thing about that, though, is I actually quit. That was my first salaried full-time job out of college after the Tim Rolls internship, like 
And I was so excited about it because I'm like, oh, this is probably going to be really similar. And it wasn't. And the funny thing about it was I I quit two or three months in with nothing else lined up just because it was it was shocking to me how different it was in terms of the social approaches and just the nuances to those gigs. And I, quite honestly, I, I just wasn't as happy with it. Um but yeah, it was it was very very. Well, that, here's what I'm interested in, in terms of like the team aspect, like because I've talked to a bunch of people about this, and I almost want like I know that's always so much like comparison amongst like where are you socially against the other 29 teams, right? Like that's such a thing. But shouldn't it be like mm-hmm. where are you socially against Domino's? Where are you socially against like uh, you know Popeyes, Arby's, like whatever? Like isn't it isn't it more like in a way like it's it's very it's very local because it is a local team, but in a way, isn't it more and more a global brand because the NBA is so global at this point? Like, cause there are, there's like Timberwolves, Russia fan account, right? Timberwolves, Turkey, like, like all that stuff. Yep. Like I almost wonder like if the approach should be more global brands than just like, are we better than the nuggets? Like that, you know, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's one component of it, which is, pretty much standard across teams in any sport, I think, which is the benchmarking versus teams. But the other part of it, which you're alluding to, is the more important thing, in my opinion. And in my time at the Kings, that, I mean, one of the main goals as the day I came in was we are trying to establish ourselves as a global brand. And they did, to their credit, they do an incredible job in terms of trying to make that happen. Like, going overseas with their players. Jason Wise, who's their director of digital, just went with Bogdan Bogdanovich and Nemanja Bialica to Serbia to give fans, you know, some behind-the-scenes access in their home countries. And some of that is, yes, it's cool for fans to see, but the other part of that is we can now gain hundreds of thousands of more fans in Serbia that are fans of the Sacramento Kings because of what we're able to provide here. Mm -hmm. And so... The other component of our job is trying to make that happen, right? Like trying to establish standards for executives in the organization and outside of across and the NBA to say, okay, we know we're social people and there's value in adding fans locally. But then to your point, here's why it's important that we're here, here and here with players or whoever it is, coaches, et cetera. Because we have opportunities to grow beyond Portland, beyond Minnesota, beyond Sacramento, et cetera, which is so important. I think you've done a great job at doing that across the basketball landscape. Um, when I was in Haiti, you know, there was with, with Scal for the Kings, there was so many people that were like, oh, my God, worldwide wild. Like we follow him on Twitter. Like, you know, all the, like it, it's just so funny to me that it's so global. Yeah. And yeah, it there's so much opportunity oh i'm huge i'm huge in while australia. it is very saturated i'm huge in australia <laughs> we don't want to take too much more of your time but i have one question i know amara has one question and from my end it's i you've got you've been through eight eight and a half years of writing what do you look for in your positions and, and how has that changed in terms of what you look for in um positions? I think freedom, like freedom to, to do what I do, right? Like, um, I try to, I try to like bring smart, unbiased analysis. That's also fun, right? Like some people will just go deep X's and O's and stuff. And this is what it is or whatever to me. Like, that's fine. Like I'll consume that stuff, but I, I don't know. Maybe this is going to sound corny, but like, there is such a part of this whole thing where I'm like, man, sports are supposed to be fun, right? Like sports have become such an angry yep. medium for people. And I'm just like, when, when like one of my favorite things I've ever written came the morning when we found out J.R. Smith threw soup at an assistant coach. Like, <laughs> the, like this, this head, this news comes across the, the, you know, the Twitter timeline, whatever. And I am dying. I'm just dying. And I had an article that I had to fit like a column that I had to finish for that day. And I asked my editor, I was like, can I please like, I'm going to push this a couple of days. Like I have an idea. I want to rank the best soups to throw at an assistant coach. And, <laughs> and they were like, this is really stupid, but okay. 
And so I like it wasn't just like chicken tortilla. Like like I came up with a system of like like do the contents make it easier to throw? Do the comments cause damage? <laughs> like like what like I really broke down like what is in a soup and I don't want to like this is going to sound like bragging or tooting my own horn or whatever, but this it was that day that really started the whole is cereal a soup thing that I kind of like galvanized because I threw it as a passing thing into the article of like there are all kinds of soups you can throw chicken tortilla uh you know uh pea soup frosted flakes like I threw the, I threw cereal into into the into this thing and and then it kind of took off from there with like people then asking questions on the podcast and then that getting out and angie getting super pissed off at me and uh and refusing to talk to me for a while because she thought it was such an asinine thing to say but like but that that day of like i came up with a system to of what would make the best soup to throw and and from that and like it's little things like that like that freedom and that kind of flexibility where there are going to be times where you have deadlines and you have real things that you have to put out there but when an employer is willing to say just go have fun with this like that's really to me that freedom matters so much because i don't want to do anything that's just like oh this is how we write about sports right this is cookie cutter this is the like this is how it's done like i don't want to like to me I will get bored. And when I get bored, I kind of mentally check out and then I, and then I'll get fired. Right. And so like, that's not something I want to do, but like that freedom and that empowerment, like it's, it's not a, it's not a, I don't want to take assignments type of thing. It's, it's allow me to, to pivot on this. And when, and when, and I've, and I've been fortunate enough to like, for most of the last, like, I would say six years of this, like they pretty much let me do that wherever I've been. And so like, that's, that's probably the most important thing is just we're not going to do what everyone else does. Let's try to just be a little bit different, whether that's more fun or whatever, like having that fun. That's so important. to me. For sure. For sure. Um, I don't have a question, but I would like to give a shout out to Boogie. He, he was um, snoring a little bit this. during this podcast. So I, I was worried that it was oh. going to pick up on the, on the microphone. I wish it did. I really wish it did. Cause he's perfect. He's not perfect. He's not perfect. Because I took this jerk up Runyon Canyon this morning, <laughs> which should take about an hour, right? Like to get up the Runyon Canyon road is, with him is about 30 minutes, which is fine. To get down it, it's all downhill the entire way down this thing. So that should be easier. That should be about 20 minutes. Just to get down the hill, it took over an hour and 20 minutes just to go downhill. He refused to go downhill. And to the point where he laid down on the road. And there are no cars, or, there are no cars or anything coming. Like, it's all foot traffic. But he laid down, and people are just walking by laughing at me and laughing at him because they're like, oh, that guy's not going anywhere. And like, oh, he's so cute. Look at him. And I would have to – I would go, he's a lot cuter when he walks. Like, that's when, that's when he's cute. So this guy, as perfect as you say he is, he was a real jerk that took up my entire morning for no reason. Well, maybe don't make him exercise, Zach. Like, maybe he doesn't want to hike up a freaking canyon. Well, he, he was fine hiking up it. Didn't stop once. <laughs> Coming down, though, he wasn't going to do that. Uh, Damn it, Boogie. What a guy. Yeah. Biggest regret I have, big, biggest regret I have is that uh, DeMarcus Cousins got traded before the Kings came back to Salt Lake City because there was, I believe, going to be a, a photo op with the two boogies. And then, and then he got shipped to New Orleans and, <gasps> oh. that, and that fell apart. I would hey, die I can, for that photo uh, op. I can maybe still have, make that happen. Stay tuned for a later episode of, of Social on the Sideline. Thanks for listening to today's episode presented by Front Office Sports and brought to you by our good friends at Team Infographics. Tell us about them. Well, they are the most fire of fire when it comes to graphics or digital content needs. You can find them on Twitter at Team Infographs or online on their website at TeamInfographics.com. Um, we also forgot to shout out our other sponsor, which was Amara's Washing Machine. So yes. appreciate your support. Appreciate how loud you are in applause for us. Um, um, they love us. You know? People love us. What what is a whirlpool? Sponsor us, bro. <laughs> what is a washing right. machine? I was gonna ask what a washing I machine brand is, and then I realized. <laughs> <laughs>
Whirlpool might be one. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. Love you all. I hope you have a great week, Labor Day week. Just break. Love you. All right, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Good night.